The difference here is, is it going to happen yet again? Do I have to adapt our formulas and our way of, of approaching things to expect this every other month for the next couple of years? That's sort of the way that I'm approaching this, trying to embed these, these things that work for us during these times, uh, embed them into the daily routine so that we're prepared until we know that it's not going to happen again. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As we've heard from many operators during the series, for restaurants to become more viable, consumers will need to pay more for a dining experience. A few episodes ago, Shane Delia explained just this, using Ides Melbourne as an example of an exceptional restaurant that undercharges for its premium offering. That's all good and well, but how do you convince consumers to turn the corner and appreciate the true cost of a dining experience? Peter Gunn is the owner and executive chef of Ides Melbourne. Pete, how are you, mate? I am very well. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's been a little while since uh, we caught up. In fact, it was crazy times. We were traversing around Italy, I think, last time I saw you. That's right. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, we've, we've been working on a uh, a book here at the restaurant, and we were the 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 question the question came up of when that time was, and I think it was what was it 2015? Would you say? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's such a long time. Yeah, and you were cooking in front of um, some of the best chefs in the world, and I was running around behind the scenes trying to write a story about it, but. Gee, a lot's changed since then, and uh, Italy looks like a long way away. It sure, sure, sure does. I actually, um, before all of this, I had a trip booked to go to Italy um, uh, in September, this coming September, to go to the Grand Prix uh, at Monza. So, um, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> that got cancelled. Um, so I'll be here, yeah. um, hopefully watching on TV. <laughs> well, let's have a look at what's going on, because Melbourne is... Um, just absolutely shattered at the moment you've had the first lockdown and then you know tried all different things to sort of survive through that period and then you've been forced into shut down to shut it down again how, how are you feeling at the moment uh look i am feeling you know pretty positive i you know i i, I stay as positive as i as i can through uh through basically every day that i walk into the restaurant um it's part of it's part of my makeup these days, you know. As a leader, I've got to be the face for my staff and the face for the restaurant. And if I'm down in the dumps, everybody else who follows my lead is going to be down in the dumps. So, look, there's no denying that it's tough times out there for everybody, and everybody's situation is different. Um, and I'm not saying that we're in a great position, but I'm feeling okay. I've, I've, I've you know, navigated this once. And we came out the other side um, quite well. I um, can do it again. Um, but at the same time, the difference here is, um, which I never really took into account the first time around, is is it going to happen yet again? Do I have to um, adapt to this current, this, this current lockdown that we're in? Do I have to adapt our formulas and our way of, of approaching things to expect this every other month for the next couple of years. Um, that's that's sort of that's sort of the way that I'm approaching this is that build, trying to embed these 
these things that work for us during these times uh, and bed them into the daily routine so that we're prepared until we know that it's not going to happen again because we thought it wasn't going to happen again, right? Yeah. Can we have a look at what the first response was after that first lockdown and, and what you did to get money coming in the door? Yeah, so we've always, you know, I, it's the restaurant myself, I've always been quite reserved. We've always sort of um, made an attempt to fly under the radar. Um, so when, when it all sort of hit, for me, um, I sort of just stepped back a little bit, took stock and uh, just watched, let the landscape sort of form, form in, uh, like let it, let it sort of evolve into what was going to happen. So we had like, we saw restaurants close immediately to the point where uh, they, they were not going to reopen. We saw other restaurants adapt into various other ways, um, you know, selling merchandise and, and so forth. We saw others adapt to takeaway. Um, and we actually just closed the doors. Um, there was a gap, there was a period uh, between being being closed and Easter, I, I think. And I used that time to sort of, you know, just just step back. Uh, I was unaware of what was happening with the JobKeeper and all of that, which is probably my biggest head fuck out of all of this. Um, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, smaller independent operator, having to do all the books and shit like that and having to get myself across that. Um, that was that was one of the hardest things I've ever done and had to deal with. Um, but yeah, once once I sort of started to see how uh, the customers, well, our guests that we obviously had to cancel a reservation and people that had supported us for the you know four years we have been in a restaurant, once I started to see what their um, requirements were and their requests were and how the rest of the industry was evolving and adapting, I thought... Um, and, and, and using what we had sort of in the bank, uh, not money-wise, but just ideas-wise and, uh, you know, concepts and things. Um, we, we, I, saw, I pulled the trigger on what we've called March. Um, March, the name, like Ides of March, um, we had an idea to, well, we had planned. Everything was set in stone. The place was designed and everything to take over um, number 90 Smith Street, which is right next door to Ides, and we were going to create a, a bar. Um, a bar up the front, function rooms at the back, adjo um, join the two buildings together um, and serve, a, serve a, a, a more approachable offering um, with, with drinks next door. Uh, but... Yeah, that obviously all fell apart. Every one, one after the other, things started to to make um, come to light that opening a business in this climate was not the right thing to do. So we had invested money into the branding of um, March. We had invested money into the design, and we were moments away from inking the the contractors to go in and and build build the uh, build the bar. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, pulling, pulling that back and then having this, this March brand and um, the way that we approached it was like March to the bar. So we've, we've replaced the A in the word March with some legs. We're sort of like looking at that thinking, if anything, this is a fucking perfect name for a delivered um, offering. Um, 
So, so we we took that as the idea and created a um, a delivered menu. So I, I I'm a um, Audi ambassador, and with the help of Audi, they provided some cars to to help us deliver this because we we wow we were obviously I was obviously of the mindset that people should fucking stay home, stay the fuck home, so we can get over this, you know. So that was also part of my my um part of my ideas of how we can play our part by staying home but also keep other people home so i didn't want people coming to the restaurant picking up we i wanted to take it to them we would be all like we would be safe they would be safe um so that sort of came together like that uh with the name and the, the concept and then we just worked it to okay every, this you know and i there's plenty of people serving lamb shoulders. There's plenty of people cooking family meals. There's people, plenty of people cooking all of this stuff. What can we do that is unique to us? That's not going to take away from what we do. So we decided to serve our Ides four course menu in the take home fashion, uh, and it's it's essentially the restaurant standard dishes um, prepped to a point where the guests uh, or the the customer, if you will takes it out of the out of the out of the uh, takeout boxes that we provide follows the instructions pieces things together warms it through the oven then sits home and has the um, ideally the Ides experience uh, delivered by this March brand um, and what was the response what was the response to the offering that you had and were people pretty um, good at putting the meals together at home yeah people pre- like Look, I, 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 I'm going to just take a punt here that all of my peers can relate. The moment you started, we started doing this, there was fuck-ups everywhere. You know what I mean? Mistakes. Oh, we forgot, to, we forgot to pack shit. We didn't do this. The instructions didn't sync up with what was in the box. Like, the boys were labeling, like, um, fucking truffle salt, like truffle, and then the person didn't realize that that had salt in it. So, ah, it was... It was it was a debacle. Well, you're used to finishing dishes in the kitchen, aren't you? So yeah, and we can save shit, right? Like anytime, anytime something's going a little bit wrong, when you have control in the plating, like you can fix it, you can adapt. Someone can run and get something, or something you never. But uh, yeah, in this case, we were we were um, not able to do that. So it took about a it, t- it took a good week for us to get our get our bearings because because actually. Um, the, the response was quite great. Um, we had we we were able to this t- this time back into the JobKeeper scenario. Before that before that all take pla- took place, it was just myself, my sous chef, and my junior sous chef uh, coming in to do this this takeout offering, and then we'd all have a car each, and then go drive to do the deliveries. But then it got like beyond our control. Like we needed to bring back more people. Uh, and as we, as we were um, looking to do that, JobKeeper was announced and we were still struggling with how we were going to do that. But eventually, we managed to bring back my entire kitchen crew through the JobKeeper scheme. Um, so I was, you know, very happy with that. And that just was, um, it was a big push. We, we managed to, you know, through the word of mouth and through, through, through however it all happens, People started to learn of it, and then people started to order. And then we we have this concept that we run at the restaurant called One Day Sunday, which gives us an opportunity to 
cook and serve and create a new concept or a new menu or new new focus for the day. Um, we, we were, we, and we put a lot of effort into that and we would offer that concept here once a month um, or in the restaurant. And we decided that we would create a one day Sunday menu each and every week so that there's a, there's a, there's a unique offering and a different offering of a standard that people expect from us um, each week, which uh, worked out really great. So, you know, even every week would have 70, 80 orders of, of, of our one day Sunday doubled that with our uh, regular menu so look it was a fucking pain and it is a pain in the ass like as i'm as i'm talking to you now i'm looking to a wall of doc uh, like orders i'm dancing around fucking boxes like um it's a it's a pain in the ass it's 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 fucking hard it's hard um yeah i think i went off in a direction. I can't really remember where I was going with all that. But so you, you did get the chance to open the doors again. There was a period of time that Melbourne opened up before the lockdown. Did, what, what was that period of period like for you? And did you offer a different model to the dining public that you previously did? Well, you know, uh, if I touch back on like the intro and, 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 and Shane's comments, we... I want to say that 75 to 80 percent of our business is tourism. It's tourists. You know, we, people coming into the city, um, going, going, going through the city, um, and having, you know, in some cases, one, two, three nice meals on their two-week holiday. And uh, you know, I'm proud to say that we 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 are one of those nice meals that these people enjoy. And that market's gone. That market's not here. We all know that. So, in an effort which we've, which we we always had um, prior to all of this happening, is we had what was called the full odds menu, and we had a four course menu. Now, our four course menu is simply that it's the one that we uh, we serve through our, our March March offering. Um, that was always an entry level. You know, uh, we want to keep keep access available to our local. Our locals, people in the area, people who go out multiple times a week, you know, because um, these are these. This is what we have to deal with these days in the in in people selling food for what it's for less than what it's worth. Is people are able to go out multiple times a week, you know. So we're just evolving with the industry there. Um, but then with that that market gone, who would take our higher menu? What we had to do was compress the two or condense the two into one. So we we went for a four course menu with a couple of the snacks that we would serve from the from the full wide menu, which also brought that price point down, which made it which made it accessible to um, the locals, people in the area, and people in the city. Um, so right from and I and I in, like many of my peers and friends, right from the moment the restrictions were lifted, it was gangbusters. People everywhere. People, um, you know, we were stacked every single night. Um, and it was great. It was, the energy was there. We, we went, I felt, above and beyond to ensure, you know, sanitizing sections. And because we, we work in, uh, I like to think, this very high caliber, um, we had to make sure that we weren't coming out with squeezy bottles or the, the sanitizer we were using wasn't fucking 
um, you know, clear bottle with blue and yellow text on it. And we had to find all these things that fit the aesthetic of what we do and how we can incorporate these sanitization, like these processes and, and, and showing people that we are doing the right thing. We had to do all of this in such a discreet manner and, a, and an elegant way, which is, you know, it's pretty difficult, I must say, um, to, to only have people come in and like not notice and not care and bring their own uh, <laughs> and, and just sort of like, man, we, we, we've probably in the, in, the, in the one month, we probably went through half, which is like right on display, like an, an Aesop hand sanitizer, we probably went through a quarter of a bottle. Um, and we bought four, you know what I mean? Like in preparation for all of this stuff. So look, the response was great. Um, the people were out, but I also think um, tying in what I just said to all people being out, which is, is, was one of the reasons why we're back in this situation now. Um, I felt like we, every, there's, there's this air of like, ah, oh, it's not gonna affect me. Um, I'm okay, I'm not old, I'm not, you know, sick, we'll be fine, I'll go out, I'll do this, and that person is is taking all the right steps, but it, but are kind of loosely following those steps, mm-hmm. and if, and you can imagine, like, yes, there's one person doing that, but the table next to them is also doing that, the table next to them is also doing that, and then all of a sudden, everybody's fucking doing that, and so... The guards dropped a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. How did that make you feel in that time when you were doing everything that you could possibly could, but you could see society perhaps not taking it as seriously as you were as a business? Oh, uh, I'm a lot more, f- uh, you know, the frustrations that I have now um, make me furious about that time then. You know, because we, we, we started like... We went to the extent of um, getting custom-made water bottles, like laser-cut, like um, handmade glass bottles. We got them all made so that we didn't, we weren't invading people's space at the table. We weren't engaging at the table any more than we needed to. So we'd put water bottles on the table, and then nobody would drink the water, drink the water. Or sometimes because in the style of service that we have, no one would even notice that there's a water bottle on the table you know it's, it's, it's it was crazy so um you know and all of these trials and errors they all come with expense right um and so to have them not not really acknowledge was was ex- extremely annoying extremely frustrating and uh like i i i just i took us you know step back um, during those times to think that, okay, I can only trust that people are doing the right thing. And I believe that people are here in the dining room now because they trust in what we, that we're doing all the right things. That was the only thing that sort of really, um, helped me power through that without sort of like losing it. You know, you sort of briefly touched on that sort of exceptional experience that you do offer and that people travel to come to your restaurant and it's been listed in the world's 50 best discovery uh, list and um, won a lot of awards. Um, Can you tell us about the start of IDES? I know you were an important cog in the wheel of Attica at the time when the ideas started to happen. Uh, Can you you tell us about the history of IDES? Yeah, so 
I had started as a pop-up um, whilst I was working at Attica. Um, once a month, myself and a buddy, one of my closest friends, Lindsay Fush, who, who lives out in Hamilton, Victoria, who we met working together at um, the Royal Mail, Royal Mail Hotel under Dan Hunter at the time. So we're going back like 2011. We decided to... Uh, you know, link up once a month. There was this place around the corner from where I lived that was a, basically a, just a, a piece of fucking shit. They didn't know what they were. It was all sorts of confusing, but the plate confusion happening there. Um, so I thought, well, hey, I don't know what's happening with me. I'd love to just come in here once a month and, and, and do some cooking here. So we we, we worked out uh, an arrangement with them and each one, I think it was a Monday, yeah, uh, once a month would go on on a Monday. I would wrangle up some of the stagiaires and uh, guys from Attica and Fush was still working at the Royal Mail and he would wrangle up some of the stagiaires from the Royal Mail and drive down overnight. We'd meet together, we'd just have this, essentially we'd just get together. I, I would put the menu together, we would have at that time. Put the menu together, we'll just come together and have beers and just prep all day and then just have this service. Um, and we did that. We uh, started in Kensington, out west. We cooked there for a month. Uh, sorry, not a month, a year, uh, once a month. And then during that time, I, I started to evolve as a person. Um, my eyes started to be more focused on certain things. Push was obviously coming from three and a half hours away. He had his, he was evolving in other ways as well. So we, we decided that we weren't going to do it. So we stopped. And then, I don't know, something got the better of me and I picked it up again uh, on my own. Fush wasn't interested in, in, in making the commute. So I reached uh, a friend of mine from uh, a place in East Melbourne, reached out. He got me into this cafe, which was there. So we started taking over the cafe there. Um, and then, yeah, again, we just went from once a month um, cooking there, which was around the time that we also met. Um, and we went to Milan and then came back and there was some fluff around that and people people got interested and started coming and then it was this, it became this um, sort of underground dinner thing that nobody could get into because it was so, so, it was only once a month and it was very, you know, it was stacked. We accumulated a lot of regulars over the time. And during that time I had met, um, you know, people like yourself and and um, was working pretty hard pretty solidly at Attica at the time as you touched on and, and met people there and a lot of these people just helped me, um, motivated me to keep working towards something, uh, well just to believe in myself um, and I met my, you know, my business partners Dave and Pete and you know all things happening around that time we eventually decided on uh, moving into this restaurant here in 92 Smith Street where um, Lee Ho Fook had just moved out of. Uh, we sort of basically put our pennies together and uh, yeah, we, we came in. And look, it was a it was an interesting time. It was like I'd gone from this, uh, you know, at the time Attica was killing it, um, still is obviously. Uh, and I was doing this like ratty little pop-up um, and then had this opportunity to open the restaurant and my, you know, I was, you know, 28, 29, I think. Um, 
I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I wasn't a restaurateur by any means. Um, so I wanted to keep the energy of the pop-up, but I wanted to obviously, uh, you know, be like Attica and, 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 and do all this stuff. And trying to find that balance was fucking hard, you know. Uh, we didn't have any money, so the, the restaurant was, you know, bare-walled and, uh, and, and basically just um, had carpet under what was the Lee Ho Fook uh, fittings essentially everywhere else. Um, and, you know, I, I had all these ideas and um, a lot of the people from the pop-up followed me over. Um, and, look, we, we just started cooking food. And, and um, look, I, I, I don't hide from the fact that at the start, we all know, like, we eventually touched on this horrible review that we got from, you know, a, a peer of yours in the past. Um, look, that, that, um, that, was, that was heartbreaking. That was that hurt not only me and my staff like you know there was criticism of the actual people working in here criticism of the the music criticism of the the lighting criticism of the 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 lamb was you know tasted was 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 nice but didn't taste lamby enough like it, it was a it was a massive blow but it's much like the situation i find myself in now if i beat myself up if i fucking cry if i get all down at the dumps my team they're gonna be like Ah oh, well, fuck this guy. He can't handle this. Like, so I, I don't, I don't. Uh, look, I took that on. I dealt with it. I'm lucky. I've got a um, and have always had a strong network around me. Um, people who don't get enough attention, you know. Um, when 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 people write about the restaurant, but um, you know, we were able to manage through that. And following following our opening and then copying this disgusting review. We actually didn't change anything, Anthony. We just kept going. It was, uh, it was, it was a process that I knew was going to take time. That I'd eventually evolve into uh, who I am today, who I'm actually very comfortable with. Um, I understand that people still or or don't like what I cook, and the reality is I don't like what other people cook as well. But I respect them and I appreciate them for playing their part in the industry. And I just hope people uh, think the same of me. Um, but yeah, it, it took time. It evolved over four years. We got, we've been able to refurb the dining room. The dining room looks like um, looks like it should. Looks like the expectations that people had back then. You know, we have that now. Um, I understood my place as I was trying to kick off in this direction of this like dynamic, casual, not fine dining but fine dining kind of restaurant and people's expect, uh, expectation who hadn't been to the pop-up were like, well, he's come from Attica, so it's got to be like this fine dining thing. Um, and so, you know, now I'm like, okay, yeah, we are a fucking fine dining restaurant. We're a modern Australian fine dining restaurant. We use high quality produce. We're professionals at what we do. And uh, we're, it's fucking expensive, at, you know, um, and it's got to be. And um, that's, that's sort of where I am. That's where I am now. I'm sort of proud of my team, proud of our offering, and proud of the restaurant as a whole, the brand. Can you paint a picture of your cuisine for us and, and maybe even use a dish and talk us through one that sort of exemplifies your cooking? Uh, yeah, well, from if I, if I just go back to when we first started, it was busy, you know what I mean? It, it was that, that lack of confidence and that um, urge to do more than that, what, was, what was actually needed. So now, um, 
it's a little it's a lot more focused um, I'll touch on this um, look I don't want to talk about the black box um, which <laughs> people know because <laughs> fuck it kills me like I got more than that um, but <laughs> um, so I'll just touch on what we're serving now well actually what I'm ser- what we're serving now is a salted turnip pasta which is a um, tortellini like it's an egg yolk pasta like it's a rich fucking like luxurious pasta dough um you know it's got like 400 grams of egg yolks to 200 grams of uh um double zero 100 grams of semolina it's it's super rich and it's got this uh like grated and salted turnip mixed through some uh, goat's cheese as the filling uh we've got some julienne black truffle on that and then there's just this super tasty roast duck broth um that's all poured, that's poured table side. Um, you know, the pasta's cooked, blanched, tossed in the tarragon oil, put on the plate, julienne truffle, and then the broth poured at the table. And then we've got, like, on the side just this, to share this, like, pressed, fried, comfrey duck um, leg, just as a little bit of a, like, here you go, can't, oh, shit, sorry, mate. Um, here you go. Here's a, here's a little bit more duck for you. Um <laughs> Mate, you don't deliver to Canberra, do you? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, look. Um, but, you know, going back, I wouldn't have served the pasta because I was a bit like, well, I'm, we're not a, I'm not, in a, not an Italian restaurant. I don't want to be seen as something that I'm not. I need to do this because this is what people expect of me. Now I don't really care. Now I don't really um, – as long as it's tasty and as long as it's fitting um, – which, which now more than ever, a pasta dish is. Um, and there are a few things that help that get across the line here in the restaurant. Um, one of them is to not use the Italian terminology, you know, like, because um, in the following dish, we do have a bit of smoked soy. Do you know what I mean? So I don't want to confuse the fact that we're, we're blending all these uh, things together. So some things are, are not worth mentioning, like, um, you know what the actual shape of the pasta is so on the approach our menu it says uh salted turnip pasta with roast duck broth rather than a uh you know um turnip tortelloni with duck consomme for example um so it's about getting all of those things right that help present what we do to the guests without it being confusing a little earlier, you mentioned about your concerns about whether we're going to face more lockdowns and this will just be a part of our future for the next couple of years. What, how is that affecting your approach now to, a, to an at-home model to get through this period? Well, it doesn't. Like The benefit to the way that I approach things is, and if you've ever, um, you know, if our listeners have ever seen, been to, to, to either the restaurant, and seeing the size of the kitchen, um, which is, you know, worked and inspired by every single um, moment that I ever spent in the Attica kitchen, we adapt. We can, we can do anything. We can do everything here. We've, we've done some outrageous things out of this tiny little kitchen, um, and dishes will come together. They, they shouldn't. You know, we don't, we don't have anything fancy. Um, we've got a six burner, a combi. And, you know, on a Saturday nights in a 30-seater restaurant, prior to all of this, we would serve 70 people a uh, uh, 
$200 tasting menu, you know, just with like rotating and, 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 and pushing and, and all of that stuff. Um, it's a long-winded way of saying that we create the dishes to go um, on a takeaway in that, same very, in that very same kitchen and we dream them up to be plated on the plates that we have here and then we turn them into, we then create ways how we can pack that and send that on. We don't work backwards. We don't think, oh, let's, we can't pack this or how can we create a dish that we can pack to send home, which is going to be easy. So what I'm saying is we haven't lost the drive. We haven't lost the creative, the creativity. We haven't lost the, um, the, the, the team putting forward their ideas, you know? Has this experience changed uh, the sort of food you are cooking or might cook in the future with a restaurant? No, no. This, this. I, I'm very happy with the, uh, you know, prior to to the closures and stuff. Very happy on the path that uh, myself and the restaurant is on. Uh, so no, no. My, my answer is no. We, we, we'll we'll always continue to cook in a way that uh, makes me feel good makes me feel happy and that myself and my team believe is tasty and a, and, a, and a true expression of the restaurant well just on that you mentioned how you you know like to remain positive um especially for your team and and you also get the best out of yourself that way you know looking forward what what are you looking forward to most uh and the positives to come out of this moving forward for the industry uh, this is going to sound pretty brutal, but um, to have the industry cold a little bit, like there are a lot of places that don't we don't need um, around. There are a lot of places that are sucking resources from our suppliers and uh, building up debts left, right and um, centre. There are restaurants that, as we all know, have been underpaying, that have been uh, compromising the integrity of, of, of restaurants across the board. Like, hey, yeah, we can all sit back and say, yeah, we pay right and we do this, but we're, you know how people are, you know, their memory is long and their scope is wide. Um, so we fall into this category regardless. Um, if we've got a staff member tired or, or not feeling, um, you know, their energy is not so great. I can, I feel like the guests would automatically assume that um, maybe they're being hard done by here at work. Um, so I, you know, I would like to, I, I would like to see that the, the restaurant, um, the restaurants that come through this are ones that people know and trust and that the ones that shouldn't be here in our city, in, in, in Australia, um, doing things the wrong way, um, they're gone. Um, because if you were, if you, look, there are many reasons why um, why, why I know we will survive this, why I know a lot of others on, on, on this pod, people who have spoke on this podcast will survive this is because they're, they're true professionals. You know, they run, uh, not only profitable businesses, but they have people in place to take care of the things that need to be taken care of during times like this. Um, others, others that we see falling off this, you know, falling off the boat or falling off the whatever, um, however people want to interpret this, um, somewhere along the way, something's not going right for them. Um, and, and there are people that, of course, that are closing because they are, have 
they're not going to reopen because they haven't they've had enough and they're done with it and and i take my hat off to them you know uh people that have had long uh successful careers uh which is what i want for myself and plenty of my peers um you know i i i get that um but yeah that's that's what i want i i'm really enjoying um this current moment where the competitiveness of restaurant culture has been uh, removed and people are coming together a lot more. Like we've seen it, um, seen it over time happen anyway, um, where like, you know, recipes used to be quite secretive and all of that. And then over the past sort of 10 years, like the, the, the guys like, um, you know, Renee and Ben and, and, all these people coming together at these conferences and stuff and this this amazing sharing of ideas has 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 allowed people to be more fluid in in discussion of of all things restaurant and this pandemic that we have just been through has i think taken it that next step and brought people together to discuss the nitty-gritty financials of restaurants and other things beyond the the part of what they were talking of before, um, which I hope maintains and stays, because there is there are like you know food costs is a very touchy subject, because you know there are people serving hundred dollar menus with a food cost of seventeen percent, then there are people serving eighty dollar menus with a food cost of twenty seven percent. Who's right? Who's wrong in the, in that scenario? You know. Um, but, and, and so it's always best to keep that kind of information to yourself. Um, but I, 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 I enjoy talking about all of those things because you can learn as a restaurateur, you can learn things uh, from that that are, that are invaluable, you know. Because um, don't forget, and I, I'm sure many people have said this, but as a chef these days, shit, the amount of stuff you've got, to, the, the amount of trades or or knowledge you have to have just to even just to even you know have an opportunity to speak on a podcast like like this like industry regarded um you've got to you, your skills now have to be so wide reaching and your your intent um so passionate and secure like as i've been talking this entire time we've got you know four boys in the kitchen all packing orders and all things it's all happening and I don't need to be involved at all because of, um, I believe, because of the, the systems and the principles and the foundations and the knowledge and the, the experience that we've all got through this. And that has all been um, developed over this period of time with conversations from, with um, other people. Well, Pete, um, more strength to you, mate. You're a bloody legend and um, it's good to catch up again after you know, what, five years now, I guess. Um, and, uh, lots changed. Since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, keep in touch. Um, hopefully you can swing the doors open again soon and have our diners eating in. Um, but keep in touch and um, thanks for joining us today. That's all right. Thanks for having me, mate. And you take care of yourself. Um, obviously a different um, lot of uh, battles that, that you have to face. Um, so, so do your best to get through all of them. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. 
Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.